Well, amen. Good morning, church. I hope you're doing well. Super excited to be here, uh, as always, with you. I love worshiping God, and uh, I love hearing from the Word of God, and I love singing to God, and uh, it's, it's just an incredible opportunity to gather together, and uh, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, before we get started this morning, I have some uh, awesome news to celebrate with you guys. If, if you remember, back in November, we launched out on a project called the 1-8 Project, uh, which was uh, a three-year project to raise $1 million uh, to elevate our generosity um, to reach people for the mission of God. And uh, we are about three months into that. And uh, the three objectives that we wanted to accomplish through this project are we want to purchase land. Uh, we also want to break ground on a permanent facility right here in Vidalia. And lastly, we want to plant Connection Church in Athens. And so today, I'm excited to update you on where we are. Uh, we're three months in, and uh, we've had 170 people or 170 families uh, make commitments to the 1-8 Project, which is incredible. And uh, you guys have given almost $200,000 already in three months, which is uh, just an incredible... <clears throat> and so today, I'm excited to announce to you that we have purchased land, and uh, we have bought 10 acres of property. Uh, you guys can clap for that. I know you're excited. And so we have purchased 10 acres of property. Most of you will know it as the old hospital site. And uh, so uh, we, as we were praying about the type of land that we wanted, you guys know, I mentioned to y'all that uh, land is very expensive in Vidalia right now. People think we're in Manhattan, New York. But, um, and so we, we were just praying, you know, the three things were really on our heart about what type of property we wanted was one, we wanted it to be central, uh, centrally located in Vidalia. We wanted it to be easily accessible uh, for people, and we wanted it to be somewhere near a residential neighborhood where we could make an impact on, uh, and we wanted to really do that, and I believe we bought that, not to mention uh, this property is very special to me because I was born there, you know, so it's always been a, the heart of the medical district here, uh, the heart of healing, the heart of life, the heart of restoration, and I felt like it was just a perfect fit for our church. We got it at a great deal. And so I'm excited about that. Uh, so kind of where we are, if we continue to raise what we're raising now, uh, we're raising about $8,600 a week. That's based off of you guys committing and, and pledge. If, if you're new here and you're not familiar with the 1-8 Project, kind of the way it works is we made commitments, three-year commitments of what we wanted to do, and we kind of separated out. We really don't have any uh, big checkers in here that, that can write us a million-dollar check, which is uh, good and bad. Um, but we've kind of committed over three years, and each of us have done what we could, right? And so uh, we've committed to give certain amounts each month for three years, and uh, that's added up to about $8,600 a month is what we're bringing in. So that puts us uh, breaking ground on a facility probably somewhere in late uh, fall of 2021, which is great. Uh, if you have not committed to the 1-8 Project and you would like to, uh, to speed up that process and to, to get us going, uh, then you can do that. You'll stop by the Next Steps tent. We'd love to give you all the information you need about that. And I think the thing that excites me more than anything about this is the 1-8 Project is not uh, just reallocating your tithe and, and moving it towards the 1-8 Project. For us, we've seen it as a project to go above and beyond our tithes. And man, that's why I'm so proud of you. I'm proud of what God's doing. And I'm excited we'll get to launch a church in Athens, hopefully in January of 2021, and we're excited to see that happen and see 
new people reach, more people baptized, and continue to watch the mission of God go forward. So thank you for your generosity, and I uh, look forward to see what God has in store. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up uh, to 2 Peter chapter 1 which is where we'll be this morning, 2 Peter chapter 1. If you've been here, you know we've, uh, we're finishing up this series today called Grown Up Faith, uh, where we've been looking at what does Scripture have to say about maturity? What does it look like for us to grow and mature in our faith? And uh, it's been an incredible uh, series for me, and I hope it's been helpful for you guys as well. So I want to pray for us, and then we will jump right into 2 Peter chapter 1. So, Father, we love you. Uh, God, you... Um, it's incredible what you can do with a group of people uh, that will submit to you and uh, just dream through your gospel and uh, see what you have in store as we align our lives to what you're doing. So God, I pray for that this morning as we read your word. Uh, God, that you would stir our affections. God, that you would um, light a fire in us uh, to grow and to mature. God, that we would see that you've saved us for more uh, than we think. God, you've saved us to use us for your kingdom um, to spread your gospel to the ends of the earth. So, God, I pray this morning that you'd stir us up. God, you'd speak to our hearts. Uh, you'd illuminate next steps in our life. And, God, we'd have the courage to step. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <coughs> All right. So, Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 15 is where we'll be this morning. Uh, a couple quick principles I just wanted to kind of, you'll see these kind of, uh, they're really throughout the text, but I just wanted to draw them out as we finish up this series today. But uh, the two, one thing I want you to write down uh, is this. Your spiritual growth has nothing to do with your physical age. So your spiritual growth has nothing to do with your physical age. You can be an older person, but be a spiritual infant. Charles Spurgeon, a great preacher from England, says this. He says, there are children in the church of God who are 70 years old. But he also said, on the other hand, there are wise and instructed and stable people who are relatively young. So physical age and spiritual maturity aren't necessarily equal. And that's the first principle I want you to write down. The second one is this. You can grow as much as you want to grow. So hopefully you've seen throughout this series that the issue with growth has never been God. It has always been us and the human heart and our laziness and our lack of desire to continue to move forward into what God wants us to be. But the secret of growth is what we're going to talk about today with Peter. He's given us a secret, and uh, I think it'll be awesome to see in this passage. So verse 3, Peter comes right out, and he says this. God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So in these verses, Peter says, we have everything we need to grow and mature. We've heard this over and over again uh, with all the passages that I've preached. We have everything we need to grow and mature in our relationship with God. Peter points out three ingredients of growth and maturity in our lives, and here they are. The first one is divine power. He says, listen, if you're going to grow, then you need divine power. If you are a Christian, when you were saved and you surrendered your life to Christ, God placed his Holy Spirit inside of you. This is the same power that rose Jesus from the dead. 
This power is what uh, fuels and what gives us the strength to grow in our Christian life. You know, if you know anything about the gospel, then you know that there's nothing you can do on your own to grow and mature. It's all empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's why Paul says in Philippians, we need to continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in us and through us to accomplish his good purposes. You know, we see throughout scripture that there's this combination of God's power, but also man's responsibility in striving forward through the power of the Holy Spirit that God's placed in us. The second ingredient to growth is our knowledge of God's promises. You know, Peter tells us uh, that we've been given the promises, the very precious promises of God. And here's the thing I want you to understand. There's a direct link between your growth and your maturity and your knowledge of God's word and God's promises. You know, I've, I've, I've said it this way before. The Holy Spirit can only speak to you through the promises from God's word. That makes sense? And so it doesn't mean you have to be sitting in front of a Bible every time God speaks to you, but it does mean the Bible that you have in your heart and in your mind is the capacity for the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart because else, uh, in other words, we don't know who the Holy Spirit is because the Holy Spirit speaks the truth of God's word if we're leaning on our own feelings and our own thoughts and our own emotions and claiming that it's the Holy Spirit. A lot of times we can kind of go down rabbit trails that we do not want to go down. And so the, the promises of God are very important when it comes to spiritual growth. And then the third ingredient is our effort. You know, this is the only thing that hinders our maturity. You've heard me say this over the past few weeks. Uh, when it comes to maturity, God is never the problem. The problem is always the human heart. And we all are born into a sin condition that is deeper than just what our actions show. It's actually the condition of our heart. And that condition is we want to do what we want to do when we want to do it. And the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things. So this idea that we can follow our heart and spiritually grow is, is not right. We can follow the promises of God and we can connect to the power of God and that's where spiritual growth and, and maturity come from. But it takes effort and, and Peter makes that very clear. Right here, Peter gives us a couple things. He gives us his goal for maturity, godliness and life. He gives us the source of maturity, which is divine power. And then he gives us his channel for maturity, which is the knowledge of God's promises. So I want you to think about it this way in, in an illustration. We are light bulbs for Christ. We're the light of the world in the world and in our neighborhoods. God is the generator and the cables that connect us, that connect the bulb to the generator are the knowledge of God. Does that make sense? So when you think about it, it's, it's this way. God has a plan for our lives. That plan is to illuminate who God is into our world, into our workplace, into our neighborhoods. And here's the thing. The generator for that is the divine power of the Holy Spirit in us, but the cable that connects the bulb to the generator, to God's divine power, is the promises of God. So we have to begin to think about it in that way. And then Peter moves to verse 5 and gives us a command because God's given us everything we need for, for growth and, and maturity. Verse 5, he says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you 
from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and even blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So what we see is Peter's saying, since we have access and God has given us all the ingredients to Christian growth, therefore we need to make every effort to be godly. So it falls back on not only has God given us everything, but also there's this piece of we need to begin to make every effort to become who God's called us to be. John Piper says this from reading the original language in, in Greek. He says, you can literally hear a kind of surging phrase of forward, forward, forward. Peter is saying, do not grow complacent. As you have obtained faith in Christ and stand in it, Now, apply yourself diligently and advance in goodness. And as you stand in that, do not be satisfied and strive forward to increase your knowledge of God's will. And as you stand in that, do not be satisfied, but be diligent to enlarge your capacities of self-control and mastery over your passions. And as you stand in that, do not be satisfied, but strive forward to cultivate every form of patience and perseverance. And in that, let godliness and devoutness and sweet love to God flourish. And in that, strive to kindle your affection and and love for other believers. And in and through it, all grow in your love for all people. And as that begins to grow, don't be satisfied with that. Go on until you love everybody, even your greatest enemy. In other words, Peter is saying, move forward, grow, press on, advance, keep striving. That's the connotation. That's the way we should hear this passage when we read it. God is not satisfied with where we are in our relationship with God right now. He has more for us. So we need to grab it and we need to make every effort to continue to press in to God. Verse 8, he says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind and they forget that they have been cleansed from their past sins. You know, Peter's point is that our effectiveness and our usefulness for Christ is directly linked with our growth and our sanctification. I don't think there's anybody in this room right now that would say that they do not want to be effective and productive for the kingdom of God. And what Peter's saying is that he says those of us that uh, kind of become complacent and we aren't growing, what happens is we've become blind because we're short-sighted. Well, what does it mean to be short-sighted? Short-sighted means that, that we have become so focused on our present desires that it, that it has gotten in the way of our growth in godliness. That we have become so focused on our current life here on earth that we forget to live for the future one. When we become short-sighted and blind to how the gospel of God's forgiveness affects everything in our lives, instead, what happens is we become engrossed in our earthly pursuits and passions. The spiritual blindness is a result of a person having forgotten who they are, how God has cleansed them from their past sins, and how he's given them a new identity in Christ. And then Peter goes on in verse 10 and he says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort. Another translation would say, be zealous to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, you will never stumble and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom 
of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, Peter was ultimately frustrated when writing this book because professing Christians where he was writing were not growing. You know, and a lot of times this uh, translates into the church today. A lot of us, our experience has been we were saved and baptized at a young age and kind of got our get out of hell free card or uh, we were saved and uh, checked a box and we kind of just, it never went anywhere from there. We just kind of stayed there. And Peter's words should ring clear to us that God is not okay with that. God wants us to grow and mature because God's plan for us is more than just to save us out of hell. God's plan for us is to save us, to grow us, so that as we live our lives in the world, we live as lights to other people where they literally look at our lives and what God's doing for us, and they say, something's different about that person. What's different about her? Why does he talk like that? Why does he treat people this way? What's going on? And what happens is we begin to partake in the divine nature. We begin to reflect Christ and God. It's such an incredible opportunity. And the awesome thing about it is that God has linked our growth in godliness with abundant life. And you have to see this. Listen, why should you grow? Why should you strive? Why should you make every effort? Not only because it pleases God, but because he has linked your ultimate abundant life into living as he has called you to live. There's nothing like it. You're literally living and growing into God, who God has created you to be. That is ultimate freedom. So five things I want us to look at this morning uh, quickly, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time on each, but I do want you to write them down, and I want you to study them in small group this week, and I think it'll be helpful for you as, as we go through. I know it's been helpful for me. The first thing is this. I want you to understand God's part in our growth and maturity. You know, God has a part to play, and we have a part to play. But here's the incredible thing about God. God is committed to our growth and to our maturity. We should be too. God literally, he really cares that you grow and mature. He wants to do a work in you so that he can work through you. He wants to use you as an ambassador for his kingdom and who he is and what he's done in this world. How incredible an opportunity to be a part and align our lives to what God is doing. And he's provided everything we need to grow into that. He's given us the divine power through salvation. And we have to understand and we have to even think about, have you ever thought about what this divine power can do? Divine power created this universe. Divine power sustains this universe. Divine power can heal the sick. Divine power can raise the dead. Literally, what in your life could be more powerful than what God is trying to accomplish in your life today. There's no obstacle that can stand against the divine power of God. It's the same power that lives inside of you as a Christian that, that God uses to grow you into spiritual maturity. Not only that, but he's, he's provided his promises. You know, God has promised that anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. That means when you become a Christian, God no longer looks at you and sees your sin. He has taken your sin and he has wiped it as white as snow. He's, taken it, he's scattered it as far as the east is from the west. When God sees you, he sees you now as a child of God. 
someone that he wants to grow. You are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. God has also promised that he who began a work, good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. Listen, God has already promised that the work of maturity that he's gonna do in you will come to completion. All we have to do is align to it and begin to walk in it. God has promised that he is for us and not against us. That means that as we draw near to God, God will draw near to us. God is for you. He's not against you. There's people in this room right now, you think God is out to get you. You think because of the circumstances you're in right now that God is out to get you. But God's word says God is not out to get you if you're a Christian. God is for you. So whatever situation you're in, the Bible's promises would tell you he's working it out for your good and his glory. So if we're in a trial or if we're in a situation that's difficult, we need to quit asking the question, why am I in this situation? And begin to link up to God and say, Lord, what are you trying to do in my life or maybe through my life to accomplish your, your purposes on this earth? When you think about the promises of God, it's really incredible. Romans 8, 28, God has promised that he will work out all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Uh, 2 Peter 1.3, we just read, God has promised that he has given us everything we need for life and godliness, so let's make every effort to grow. God has made promises, but you have to cash the check. God's promises, literally, they can't do anything for you until you believe in them. Until you believe that the word of God is true and until you believe that he is who you says, he, he says you are, until you believe that he is trying to accomplish what he's trying to accomplish in your life, the promises of God will do nothing for you. But when you believe them, they begin to renew your mind, they begin to renew your heart, they begin to renew your character and they begin to renew everything. Listen, there is a major difference in knowing the message of Jesus and believing the message of Jesus. It's one thing for you to recite that Jesus came and died on a cross for your sins so that you wouldn't have to go to hell. It's another thing for the gospel to transform your life in such a way that now everything you see in life is through the lens of that gospel and his purpose in your life. That is growth and maturity. Our participating in the divine nature of God is directly linked with our knowledge of God's promises. This is why the word of God is so important in our lives. Do you know the promises of God? Is the divine power inside of you? If we want to grow and mature, these two ingredients are necessary. The second thing I want you to understand is our part in growth and ministry. Not just understanding God's part. He's given us everything we need, but also understanding our part in growth and maturity. This is where Paul or Peter goes on and he says, for this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with these things. The word supplement is a word that we should be familiar with. You know, if you go to GNC, uh, you can buy all sorts of supplements uh, to help you, help you have six pack abs, right? Um, they're not working for me, but they work for the people whose picture are on the poster outside. So we can assume that supplements, what they do is a supplement supplements you in where you're trying to go. So if you're trying to get strong, you're trying to be muscled up, you're trying to be cut up, supplements will help you get there. Well, if you're trying to be godly, obviously the, the foundation of godliness is faith so that you can access the divine power so that the promises of God become true to you. But then Peter says, listen, there's some things you can supplement your faith with 
that will help you become more godly so that God can continue to accomplish the purpose in which he's trying to do in your life. So don't miss it. God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Therefore, Peter says, make every effort to be godly. God has acted, therefore you act. Now listen to me clearly. I'm not talking about a works-based salvation. I'm not talking about working for the approval of God. What I'm talking about is now that you have received Christ and you have trusted in what he's done for you on the cross, received the Holy Spirit, and now God has a plan for your life, which is to grow you to become more like him so that he can use you for his kingdom. In this growth sanctification process, what we need to begin to do is respond to what Christ has done for us by growing and maturing in our faith. Ultimately, that's what worship is. Worship is not just singing songs on a Sunday morning. Worship is living our life in response to who God is and what he's done. A lifestyle of worship is a lifestyle of growth. We see this language throughout scripture. Paul says in Philippians 2, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Peter, Peter's point is this, God is for us with divine power. Of that, we can rest assured. Now, in the confidence of that power, we must labor to become godly. You know, spiritual growth never happens on accident. It always happens because we're intentional. Spiritual growth is not accidental. It's always intentional. So Peter says, intentionally supplement your faith with these things. The first one he gives us is goodness. Peter says, hey, add to your faith moral excellence. He says, hey, once you become a Christian, understand what God's trying to do in your life is he's trying to, uh, the way you live your life should display his goodness and who he is. One way we can look at this idea of moral excellence is when something is truly fulfilling the purpose in which it was made. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, are we making every effort towards moral excellence? The second thing he tells us is knowledge. This is a different word that's used most in the New Testament, but it's, it's a word that means expert knowledge or a full knowledge or an ultimate knowledge. It's a growing personal and authentic knowledge that is practical. It practices out in your life. So are you making every effort to increase your knowledge of God's character and his will? He says to add to goodness knowledge and to knowledge add self-control. We've heard this word before. Self-control is mastery over your desires and lust and passions. It's usually mentioned when, when, when a sexual connotation is there. You know, sometimes there's a huge gap between what we know and what we do. The thing that bridges that gap so that what we know translates into what we do is self-control. It's one thing to know about God. It's another thing for the truth about God, the promises of God to get into our heart and then begin to control what we do. That's God's aim for our life is so that our mind can be renewed so that our lives will be renewed. Are you making every effort to strengthen your power of self-control? Perseverance. He says to add to self-control, perseverance. This word is the patience to press on when things get difficult, under trial, under hardship. 
in a difficult circumstance? Are you making every effort to enlarge your capacity for patience and perseverance? <clears throat> Is there, I don't know that there's anything in our life that makes us press into, <clears throat> I don't think there's anything in our life that makes us press into the promises of God and the divine power that God's placed in us more than difficult circumstances. You know, as you read the Bible, you start to realize there's probably a, a reason that God hasn't redeemed all of sin in our world. You know, sin causes some very difficult things to happen in this world, and God has overcome it, but we still live in a very jacked up world where a lot of sinful things are, are going on that cause a lot of effects to happen in mine and your life, but the thing that we have to understand is that God uses these things for his good. So some of us, we're sitting in a situation right now where we don't understand it. And we're asking the question, how could God allow this to happen to me? I've been going to church. I've been doing the right thing. Billy, how could God allow this to happen to me? And the question we need to quit asking is, is why? And the question we need to start asking is, God, what are you trying to show me? How are you trying to use me in this situation in the life of other people? That's what God does in perseverance. He says to perseverance, add godliness. What is godliness? It's literally God-likeness. It's literally you and I becoming like Christ in the way we think, in, in, in who we are, and in how we live. You know, you can think of it threefold, in your mind, in your heart, and, in, and with your hands. God is literally the goal of maturity is so that you would reflect him in the way you think and who you are and what you do. Are you making every effort to cultivate godliness in how you think, in who you are, and in how you live? This process of godliness is very simple. God renews our mind through his promises and through the power of his Holy Spirit. And that leads to us living a renewed life. It, it literally renews us as a person so that we begin to understand who we truly are in God's eyes so that we can begin to live the life that he has called us to live. He says to godliness, add mutual affection. You know this word, it's, it's, it's Philadelphia. It's brotherly love. He says, okay, not only does maturity transform us from the inside out, but it also transforms us horizontally so that we begin to love people differently. He says, are you making every effort to grow warm in your affection for your fellow believers? Are you growing in your, in your making every effort to grow in, in loving other people? Listen, the thing about the church is, and, and I believe why it's such a huge part of your growth in, into godliness is that God literally surrounds you with people that are not like you. You know, there's people in this room that they didn't grow up like you. They don't talk like you. They don't have the same amount of money that you have. Everything's different. The only thing that draws you together is your belief in Christ. And God designed the church to intentionally be that way so that as we learn to love people differently than us, we actually become like Christ. You know, it's easy to love people that are just like you. But God calls us to love all people, no matter what color of their skin they are, no matter how much money they have, no matter what they can do for you in return. He calls us to love people in the way that God loves people. And he says, not only mutual affection, brotherly love, he says, add to that agape love, which is this idea of unconditional, sacrificial love. This is the type of love that God calls us to in marriage, where our love for our spouse is not dependent on what they do or how they reciprocate what we do. 
Our love for them is based on the love that God has for us. That's what God's called us to do is love people unconditionally. This is the same love that God showed for you and I on the cross. So are you making every effort to stir up this agape love in your life for other people, maybe even the people that you dislike the most? So here's how I believe Peter wants us to look at all of these things. It's a lot and it kind of gets caught up in, in all the different qualities. But here's the thing I want you to understand. I think these qualities, one leads to the other. It's kind of a process in our life, and if we have faith, our faith will produce goodness, and if we have goodness and we seek to live a moral, excellent life, that will lead to us knowing God better, and when you know God better, you'll become more self-controlled, and when you're more self-controlled, you'll be able to persevere under trial better, and when you do that, you'll become more godly, and that leads to a genuine care for people and a sacrificial love. That's the type of growth that Peter's talking about here, one that starts with a vertical faith, And it leads to reflecting Christ horizontally through love. The third thing I want you to understand is Peter wants us to adopt a mindset. And this mindset is that we never stop growing. That's the mindset of maturity. If you've not heard anything through this series, it's literally never stop growing. There's never a point in our life where we arrive. Peter says, listen, if you want to be ineffective and unproductive, he says, then don't have this mindset. But if you want to be effective and productive for the kingdom of God, he says, increase in measure all these qualities. Do these things in increasing measure and you will be effective and fruitful. I think all of us can agree that we want to be fruitful and effective for the kingdom of God. So he says, to have this mindset, never stop growing, continue to make every effort in these things. Verse four, uh, the fourth thing I want you to understand is this. I want you to know the biggest enemy of growth, and I want you to know the biggest friend of growth. The biggest enemy, Peter says, is nearsightedness. I made that word up, but I think you'll remember it. Know the biggest friend of growth, farsightedness. Verse nine tells us, but whoever does not have them Whoever's not increasing in in these qualities is nearsighted and even blind. They forget that they have been cleansed from their past sins. You know, what you focus on in life is what you become. So here's the thing. If we focus on Christ, we will become like Christ. If we focus on the world, we will become like the world. Peter says when when we stop growing and pressing on, usually it's a result of three things. He says, one, we've forgotten what Christ did for us on the cross. Or two, we've forgotten who we are because of what Christ has done on the cross. Or three, we've lost sight of who we've become because of what Christ has done on the cross. We've lost sight of our purpose. You know, every person in this room, if, if God has saved you, His purpose for your life is sanctification. That's a big word that just means he wants you to become more and more like him. And he'll continue that work in your life until you die. That's his goal is that you would reflect him in all that you do. You know, we grow the most in this life when we have the next life in our mind the most. This is what it means to be farsighted. It's literally living for the return of Christ. How would your life change today? If you live for that moment at the end when you'll stand before God and he'll either say, depart from me, I never knew you, or well done, good and faithful servant. It changes everything. 
But we live in a distracted world that teaches us to focus on the here and now. But God says no. Growth and maturity is about focusing on the end. It's about focusing on Christ and his return and and becoming who he's called you to be. And then the fifth and final point, I really want to end this series and, and just this whole thought of growth and maturity in your life as we always have with growth and maturity always comes down to us being honest about where we are. And so the fifth and final question point I want to make is, are you confirming or contradicting your salvation? You know, Peter tells us that our lives should confirm our election and calling. What he's talking about is when we're saved, God has chosen us. And what he's talking about is that when God saves us, he sets us apart and we have a calling on our life to be his representatives in this world. And he says, listen, people should be able to look at your lives and see that you've been set apart by God. But many times in our culture, that's not the case. We use the excuse that nobody's perfect. Or we use the excuse that, hey, I'm just a mess. But God never told us to use those excuses. Listen, every person in this room has struggles. Every person in this room has different things that we deal with. But God never called us to use that as an excuse not to grow and mature. God wants you to grow to be more like him. And he says the fruit of our lives will confirm that. So my question for you is what does the fruit of your life say about you right now? Are you growing? Because saving faith grows. It does. If, if, if we have the Holy Spirit, if we're pre- I'm telling you, saving faith grows. So I want you to think about this as we get ready to close. I want you to just bow your head right where you are. And I want you to think about this question. Are you serious about growing in your faith? You know, God is committed to growing you in your faith. Every one of you. I don't care where you're at. I don't care who you are. We may be at different places in our faith, but God's committed. He's already promised it. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. If you're in Christ, he will complete the work that he started in you. So the question becomes, will you make every effort to become who he's called you to be? The way we say it around here is, what is your next step? What is it? You know, usually God doesn't call us to take 100 steps. He just calls us to take one. And for every person in this room, that one step's probably right in front of you. And you probably know what it is. For some of us, it's salvation. We know we've never surrendered our life to Christ. We've been to church. Maybe we've, we know the language, but we've never truly went all in with God. And today's the day that God wants us to do that. That's the start. For some of us, We need to get serious about growing and maturing. We need to understand God's got a purpose for our life. We need to quit hanging in the past and forget what lies behind and begin to press forward. And today, the start of that, maybe it's beginning to read the Bible on a consistent basis. Maybe it's joining a connect group and being a part of community. Maybe it's serving in the church. Maybe it's beginning to honor God financially. Maybe it's discipling someone. Whatever it is in your life, don't wait. Look to the end. Be farsighted. Look for the moment you stand before God and he asks you, 
Did you do what I asked you to do? And you can say and hear him say back, well done, good and faithful servant, because you were obedient. So, Father, I pray right now, God, for the people in this room. Lord, I pray that this series would help us grow and mature. God, that we wouldn't get lazy in our faith. We wouldn't get complacent. But, God, we would continue to grow because you got big plans for each person in this room, God, and I want to see them happen. If you're here today and you'd say, Billy, I've, I've never been saved. I've never committed my life to Christ, but today I want to do that. Would you just lift your hand right where you are? Say, Billy, that's me. Without a doubt, God's speaking to my heart. I know that's me. And today's the day I want to respond. I want to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. You raise it high. Anybody in here? I want to pray for you. Anybody? So for the rest of us, here's how I want us to end. I want us to end by taking communion together. You know, Peter goes on to end this passage talking about stirring up our affections or reminding us of Christ and who he is and what he's done. You know, there's no greater way as a church that we celebrate and remember what Christ has done for each of us. And really, for God to do what he wants to do in our life, it will always start at the foot of the cross. And so right where you are, that's what we want to end service with today. And so we got stations set up with connectors set up. So find the nearest one to you. And I want to pray for us. And if you're a believer in Christ, would you remember Christ and what he's done for us together? So Father, we thank you so much for today. God, as we get ready to partake in communion, Lord, I pray, God, that we would see you on the cross. God, we would see the symbolism of what you've done for us. God, the bread, your body that was given for us is the perfect sacrifice that provided for us what we could not provide for ourselves. God, the, the blood, the juice. God, that's symbolic of the new covenant, the ability to have the Holy Spirit and for you to do a work in our life. Lord, I pray that we would remember that. And God, that it would strive us and stir our affections to become more like you. Father, we love you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.